But anyway, I just want to say Happy Mother's Day. I heard a statistic the other day. It said like there's 27 million kids in America that are growing up in a divided home. So that means a lot of moms nowadays have to be both father and mother and spiritual leader of their home. So moms have got a tough job. So I just, I just want to say, you know, um, I, I believe it's been the mom that's been the glue of the family for forever. And for a lot of times, I think even in the church, it's been the moms, the ladies that's kind of held the church together over the centuries, I believe. But I want to say a special thanks to my mom. I love her this morning. I appreciate her, and I give her honor and stuff. She's always uh, been the one that set the example of my life when, when it came to prayer and giving. She taught me how to give, how to tithe, and just watching her pray. I remember as a young kid getting up in the morning, or I'd be up late at night, and she'd get up early in the morning and go downstairs and begin to pray for her family. And I'd hear in there calling out her kids' names for salvation, praying people in our lives, praying people out of our lives. Some of those people I wanted to be in my life, some of those girls in high school I wanted to be in my life, and my mom's like, no, nah, that one's not for you. So it's like, darn it, oh, man. So, but uh, her praying and, and just setting that example, even before I moved out and uh, got married, uh, I'd still hear her come downstairs and begin to pray. She'd shut doors and not only pray for her family, but begin to pray for people in the church that had needs in the church that were hurting as the mother of the church. And she'd call out their name and say, Lord, touch their um, situation, what they're going through. And so that's always stuck in my, my head and my uh, mind of mom. And my mom has that title, mother, and no one else gets that title. Other people might give that title to other people, but that title holds a special place in my heart for my mom because she's the one that's put those things, instilled those things into my life. And so I just want to give her honor today. And I want to give one other lady honor today. Her name was Sister Becky Galbraith. And she's up this morning in heaven having Mother's Day with her mother. And she was another special lady. And I know her family misses her very much. And I always used to call her, hey, Sister Becky. And she'd always get mad at me because she'd always want me to call her either mother-in-law or mom. And it was like, I was so used to calling her Sister Becky that it was, it was just funny. So finally I got where I could call her. I'd say, hey, mother-in-law. And she'd be like, hey, son-in-law. But she was, just, she was a great lady, and we really missed her this morning. I just want to give her honor this morning, too. So that's my Mother's Day kind of spiel. But what the Lord was kind of laying on my heart this week was to talk to you about faith and not just faith, but faith and trust in God. Because, see, this walk is a walk of faith. We don't walk by, the, Romans, or it says, 2 Corinthians says, we don't walk by, uh, or we walk by faith. There we, there we go, we'll get it right. We walk by faith and not by sight. This Christian experience is an exercise in faith. It's not about what I can see, what I can touch, what I can taste, what I can smell, but it's about Jesus Christ and him crucified. My faith and my trust is in Jesus because he's the one that laid his life down on the cross for me, shed that blood for me, gave his life for me. The Bible says there's one that's faithful and true, and he sticks closer than a brother, and that he'd never leave you nor forsake you, but he'd be with you always, even to the very end. So, Father, I just thank you this morning. I give you the praise. And, Lord, I'd ask, Father, Lord, that you touch each and everyone that's here, Father, Lord, to hear your voice this morning. And, Father, I bind every hindering spirit in the name of Jesus Christ, the name that's above every name. And I would just lose the, the anointing power of your Holy Spirit, Lord, to move through this place and touch your people. And we give you the praise and the honor in Jesus' name. So there was this deacon, and his job was he got the keys of the church, and his job was to go to church and light a fire so it would be warm for people when they came into church. Well, one year, this really big blizzard hit London, England. It was one of the, the worst of all times. And so he got up, and he wasn't sure he was going to go. He was just like, man, it's really bad outside. But because of his call and his job, and he was faithful to the Lord, he weathered up 
And he went out in the storm. He weathered the storm, and he made it to the church. And he unlocked it, and he, and he lit the fire in the church. But no one else showed up. None of the other deacons showed up. None of the song leaders showed up. The, uh, the other preachers didn't show up, and even the pastor couldn't make it. So about just before church was started, a few handful of people started to come in. And some of them were probably just coming in to get out of the cold. But this deacon, he's like, well, we don't have a song leader, so I'm going to sing the songs. And who knows, maybe he was off key. How great thou art! You know, he's like, you know, he could have been like really bad or whatever. But he's like, we're going to sing songs, we're going to worship the Lord. So he, he sang the songs. And then it came time to speak the word. And he fumbled through a, a simple message of Jesus loves you. He fumbled through it. He had faith. He trusted in God. And then at the end of it, he gave an altar call like his pastor did. And one little young man in the back seat, the Lord moved on him. He came forward and he gave his life to the Lord. And that young man was named Charles Spurgeon, one of the greatest ministers probably of the Christian faith. And the Lord moved on this young man in such a way, with such a heart for evangelism, that by the time he was in his mid-20s to his late-20s, he was uh, pastoring a church, and not just a church, but the great London uh, Metropolitan Tabernacle, which seated over 5,000 people. And they ran multiple services, and they had to have overflow rooms because the Lord touched this young kid. He was such a, a great speaker and order that uh, people would just come out to hear him, hear him talk and speak, and they would open up the sides of the windows on the sides of the church, and they'd stand out on the sides just to hear him speak a message. And it all started because of one faithfulness of one deacon that was faithful to come down and weather a storm and trust the Lord. And you know, he could have gave in the spirit of fear and said, you know, the song leader's not here. I'm not going to sing. He could have gave in the spirit of fear and said, I'm not going to preach. But he preached a simple message, a humble message. And the Lord used that and he touched this young man that's changed the life of thousands of people. See, church, Little is much when you put your faith and your trust in the Lord. Praise your name, Lord. He was given a key, and he gave God a song. He was given a key, and he gave God a message. Praise the Lord. So let's turn, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew 14, 24. Talk a little bit about Peter here. So in 24 it says, But the boat was already a long distance from the land, battered by the waves, for the winds were contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the seas, they were terrified and said, It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take courage, it is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter said to him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, Come. And Peter got out of the boat, and he walked on the water, and he came towards Jesus. But seeing the winds, he became frightened and began to sink. And he cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hands and took hold of him and said, if you, Oh, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? See, Peter has faith and trust in Christ to step out of the boat when Jesus said, Come. Peter was willing to step out in the midst of the storm. But a lot of times as people, we miss that. We see Jesus just, or Peter stepping out into a storm, going a few feet or so and sinking. And we miss the whole part that Peter was willing to step out of the boat, step into the storm and go to Jesus when Jesus called him. And see, a lot of times as, as people, we, we want to trust the Lord when it's smooth sailing, when it's calm and there's no storms, when things are going good and we have money in the bank and our relationships are fine, winds blow. What about when the waves come crashing in our life? It's a different story. When we get bad news from the doctor or your bank 
says you're broke, or when it seems like there's no hope in your marriage, people tend to give up. They tend to uh, give up hope in the midst of the storm. But Peter, in the midst of the storm, he stepped out in faith, and he trusted the Lord. He didn't fear. There's three things that drowned our faith, and the number one is storms. Peter was walking on the water as he, uh, as on top of the storm until he got his eyes off Jesus. The Bible says he heard the winds of the storm. He lost his focus, and he began to sink. It just takes a second to get our focus and our eyes off Jesus. And the winds represent voices, voices that try to discourage you and, and try to put fear in your life. The voices will say, you're going to jail and you're never getting out. God can never use you because you're on, beyond hope and there's no forgiveness for you. The enemy wants you to lose your focus and your faith so you'll drown in the middle of the storm. What the enemy doesn't realize, though, is when I'm drowning, all I got to do is reach out to the Lord. The Lord's already walking on top of the water. He's already on top of the storm. So all I got to do is reach out and say those three words, Lord, save me. And the Lord's there to reach down and pick me up and save me. See, because the disciples were in the boat. They could have got out of the boat. But Peter's the only one that got out of the boat and walked on the water. He's the only one that trusted God enough to get out of the boat and walk to the Lord. The second thing that drowns our faith is waves. Peter sees the waves of the storms go up and down, and they represent our emotions, church. One minute we're up, one minute we're down. One minute we say we trust God, and the next minute we say we're not sure. One minute we say we're healed, and the next minute we say we're sick. And then one minute we say God can supply all my needs, and the next minute we say, well, I don't have enough money this this month, I'm going to have to use my tithes to pay my bills. We're up and down in our faith. If you let the waves of your emotions rule your faith, you will sink in the storm every time. See, Peter was an emotional guy, and it got the best of him a lot of times. He even cut a, uh, took a sword and cut off one of the soldiers' ears that was trying to take Jesus. But Jesus knew Peter had faith. As a matter of fact, Jesus even paid, uh, prayed for Peter in uh, Luke 22. He says, uh, Peter, Satan is desired to sift you as wheat. He goes, but I prayed for you so your faith won't fail you. Amen. See, because Jesus knew Peter would get his eyes on the storm again later on and deny him three times. But Jesus also knew that Peter would get it together and he would put his total faith and trust in the Lord, even unto death. See, I can imagine Peter, towards the end of his life, before he was executed, had to look back on some things in his life to draw faith from. To give him faith and strength to face what he was getting ready to go through. And church, there's going to be times in your Christian walk that you're going to have to look back on some things that God has done for you to give you faith and trust in him to go through the storm you're fighting now. See, I have more faith today to fight the battle that I'm facing than I did 10 years ago. And 10 years ago, I didn't have the faith to fight the battles that I'm fighting today. But the Lord gives us little victories here and there in our lives that we can draw upon to give us strength and faith for today to face the battle we're going through. Because there's always going to be battles in this life. You have to steer up the faith sometimes. Imagine Peter said this, I remember when Jesus called me to come follow him. I remember when Jesus uh, fed the multitude. I remember when Jesus healed the blind man. And I remember when Jesus raised a dead man. I remember when Jesus walked on the water. And I remember when he called me and said I could walk on the water. I remember his words, I'm with you always. And that even though you were dead in me, yet shall you live. We have to steer that faith up in ourselves. Later, Peter had enough faith that he was willing to go lay down his life. To the point that he said, I'm not worthy to be crucified like my Savior. And they crucified him upside down. There's no victory without faith. The third thing that drowns our faith is unwillingness. 
There's a lot of people that want to follow Jesus but aren't willing to get out of the boat. And Mark tells a story about this young, um, this young boy, and he comes to Jesus, and he says, Lord, what must I do to have eternal life? And the Lord told him, well, keep the commandments and, you know, and do these things. And, the Lord, and he told the Lord, I've done all those things since a kid. So the Lord tells him, well, go sell everything you have, and then come follow me. And the, little, the boy was like, he went away sad because he was rich, and he had lots of wealth. And basically, Jesus told him to step out of the boat. Put your faith and trust in me, not your riches, not your material things not the things that you value, but put your faith and trust in me. But church, there's a lot of people that's not willing to forsake what they have and totally trust in the Lord, to follow the Lord, to give the Lord, give the Lord everything in their life. They put their faith and their trust in riches, in people, in things that will fail you all the time. But the Lord will never fail you. Amen. Our faith must be in the Lord. The Lord says, come, and we must be willing to step out of the boat. When we put our faith in things, we become unwilling to step out in pure faith and trust God. And that's what God's calling us to do, is be willing to step out in pure faith and trust him. So let's look at King David's life. It said at an early age, David, before he was king, uh, he learned to have faith and trust in God. Gave him, God gave him strength to slay a bear. He gave him strength to slay a, a lion. And these were things God was doing in David's life so that he could look back on later on in his, or later in his life when he was going to have to have strength to face a giant. First Samuel says that uh, the Philistine armies gathered together to battle against Israel, and they were gathered in a place called Shokah, which belongs to Judah. So remember that. And it says in Samuel this is, um, 17, it says, And there went out a champion of the Philistines named Goliath whose height was about six cubits in a span, which what I've been reading is like nine feet, nine inches to uh, 11 feet, three inches. That's a huge dude. That's, <laughs> that's pretty tall. That's a big guy. And he said he had a helmet of brass and his armor, and he had a coat of mail, and the coat weighed 153 pounds. That's a big dude to carry a coat of 153 pounds. And he was just fully, fully uh, armored. He had a greaves of brass upon his legs, brass between his shoulders, and a staff that was a, um, like a weaver's beam, which is about 14 feet tall. And his spear weigh, um, head weighed like 18 pounds. And then he had one that went before him bearing a shield. So this dude was like fully armored. Big old dude, intimidating. And then the Bible says, Goliath would go and stand in the valley and throw insults at the army of Israel. For 40 days and for 40 nights, he was throwing insults. And mental health people will tell you anything you spend your time on, thinking about in the morning when you get up, or when you go to bed at night, thinking about, worrying about, stressing over, it's going to be that thing that's going to set the tone for your day. The Israelites were waking up to the threats of Goliath, and they were going to bed uh, to, uh, to the threats of Goliath. And what that does, church, it, it represents a spirit of intimidation. He was trying to get in their head. He was messing with them. He was trying to, to, uh, to just mess up their faith and their trust, and, and they were afraid of him. It says, but then here comes a little shepherd boy who was about 15 years old, and he heard uh, the threats of Goliath. But because David knew God, he was willing to trust in God to fight the battle. See, David could remember back to that bear. He could remember back to slaying that lion. And so he had trust in God. David was a worshiper of God. David knew this one thing. It says in Psalm 76, In Judah, God is known. His name is great in Israel. Judah is the Hebrew word for praise. So in Judah, in praise, God is known to you. 
And then in 76 and 3, it says, There he, God, breaks the arrows and the bows and the shields and the swords and the battle. And it says, Selah, think on these things. So in Judah, God is known. In praise, God is known. So church, when I'm going through a battle, when the enemy's coming against me, if I'll learn to praise God, if I'll learn to worship God, he'll break the bows, he'll break the arrows, he'll break the shield, he'll break the sword of the enemy that tries to come against my life. If I will learn to become a worshiper of God, if I'll learn to come in and lift my hands up and begin to praise him, he will be known to me. God will make himself known to you. If you'll learn to worship him, if you'll learn to go before him, he'll break the battles that you're going through in your life, no matter the situation. If, you, if it's addiction, if it's alcoholism, if the enemy's coming against your marriage, Instead of whining and complaining, if you'll begin to praise God, if you'll begin to worship God and let God be known in your life, he will break the battle before you. He'll go before you and he'll do it. But a lot of times we come in and we don't want to praise. We want to sit here with a bless me if you can attitude. I don't like that song. That song's not that great. That one's kind of good. I'll I'll give you half a step. You know, we, we, we put restrictions on our worship. If we'll learn, it's not about us. It's not about what they're singing or what they're playing. It's about me worshiping my God so he will break the battle on my behalf, so he'll make himself known to me in my praise, my worship time. We'll learn to trust God, put our faith and trust in him and worship him and praise him. He'll make himself known to us, and he'll break the battle for us. Exodus 17, it talks about Moses And the Israelites were fighting a battle, and I believe it was against the Malachites. And the Bible says when Moses' hands would go up, that Israel would begin to win the battle. And when his hands would come down, they would lose the battle. The enemy would start winning. There's a powerful lesson in that, guys. When we're going through battles, when we're going through struggles, when we're going through trials in our life, get our hands up. Begin to worship God. Begin to give him praise and honor in glory, and he will begin to break the battle that you're going through if you will trust him and begin to worship him, become a worshiper of God. And the other thing there, it says, when his hands came down, Aaron and this dude named Her, which is not a girl, it's a, it's a dude, but he just named Her, <laughs> went over and would grab his arms, and he'd lift them back up, and then they'd begin to win the battle. That's a great picture for us as a church. When we see our brothers and our sisters struggling, hurting, for us to go over, spiritually speaking, and grab their arms and lift them up so they could win the battle, so they could be victorious. Because I tell you, church, if we don't have compassion for people that the Lord sends in our church, how are we ever going to want to have the, uh, the passion or the victory for people on the outside of the church? Dad, pastor says always that charity starts at home. We should be able to love our brothers and sisters enough that when we see they're struggling and going through a battle, that we're able to go over there, grab their arms, and lift them up. Learn to praise, church. Praise is so important. There he breaks the battle in our behalf. See, David knew he wasn't going to lose, that God would break the battle for him because he had total faith and trust in God. And David took his sling and that little rock, and he flung it, and he left an impression on that giant that he would never forget. And David takes the sword David, he takes Goliath's own sword and goes down and stands on him and whacks his head off. And the Bible says he took his head, 
I think it was back to Jerusalem. He took his armor back to his tent. And what what that's saying is he took his spiritual authority. He took his headship. And he took it back to his tent. We have authority through the blood of Jesus Christ to take the authority back to our homes, to our houses, to our marriages, to our families, and let the devil know, you don't got no authority over me. You don't got no authority over my home, over my children, over my family, over my marriage. We can take the authority because Jesus Christ took it for us on the cross. And the Bible said it was on a place called Golgotha. That's the place of the skull on on Calvary. Jesus took the head of the devil. He decapitated the devil. And he said he took the keys to death, hell, and the grave. And he gives me and you that spiritual authority over the enemy in our lives. We can take take that headship, that, that authority, back to our homes. I guess I should just stay down there, but I get lost in my notes. One thing here, it says, David didn't have the weapon to fight the battle until he committed to the fight. You'll have to commit to the fight to win the battle. He was on his way to fight Goliath when he stopped and he grabbed the stones to go fight the battle. And some of you are sitting on the sidelines like the army of Israel, watching the struggles of addiction, watching your marriage fall apart, watching drugs destroy your home. Church, we need to get back in the fight. We need to be willing to get on our knees and find our weapons. We fight not against flesh and blood, the Bible tells us, but against spiritual powers. Or how do we get our, our weapons? Is we get on our knees and we cry out to, uh, to our Father in heaven, Lord, save me. Lord, help me. Lord, I come against that spirit of fear. I come against that spirit of addiction. Break the battle in my behalf. Break the bows and the arrows of the enemy that comes against me. There we'll find our victory. There we'll find the weapons to fight the battle. Thank you, Lord. I want to talk about faith for just a second here. The Lord kind of gave me something and and I've been rolling it over my head. And uh, it says in Hebrews eleven six, Without faith it's impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is. And it says in Romans, So then faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. And then in John it says, In the beginning the word was with God, the word was God. And then in 1 John 14 it says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among men. So faith cometh by hearing, and hearing the word of God. The word in the beginning, uh, the word was with God, it was God, and it was with God. And it said the word became flesh and dwelt among men. So this will mess up a lot of people that say, I, uh, I'm not religious, but I'm spiritual. Um, I believe in God, and I have a relationship with God, but I don't believe in his son. I don't believe in Christ. The Bible again says it's impossible to please God without faith, and faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God, and the word became flesh and dwelt among men. Hearing the words of Jesus Christ, being in a relationship with him, the word became flesh and dwelt among men. Jesus Christ is the word of God. He is the word. He is Genesis to Revelations. He is the Alpha, the Omega. He is the beginning, the end. He's everything in between. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. So God made it so important that you can't even come to him unless you come through Jesus Christ. You can't even come to God, even in faith, unless it's through faith in his son, Jesus Christ. The word became flesh and dwelt among men. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God, Jesus Christ, God's son. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and a stranger will not follow. We must hear and have faith in Christ to be pleasing to God. 
A faith that pleases God sounds like this. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. If God be for me, who can be against me? Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. In him, even though I was dead, yet shall I live. See, it's my faith in Jesus Christ and my trust in his word that pleases God. You have to have faith in order to please God. See, a lot of people have faith in their jobs, in the economy, in people, in their churches, and all those things will fail you. But a faith that's not based in Jesus Christ and doesn't recognize him is a faith that's not pleasing or even acceptable to God. The Bible says we are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. The word grace means you getting from God what you don't deserve, which is forgiveness, pardon, and salvation. I'm getting forgiveness, pardon, and salvation from God because of my faith in Christ Jesus. See, church, it's my faith that gives me access to God. Without faith, I have no access to the forgiveness of God. I'm forgiven by grace through faith in Christ Jesus. See, the blood of Jesus Christ speaks to the grace and mercy of God the Father, and the grace and mercy of God the Father speaks to the blood of Jesus Christ. You can't separate them. They're together. They're one. So in closing, stand in faith when you're facing your giants. Because faith in a small rock, even though it's small, it's enough to do the job. Don't sit on the sidelines, but get involved in the battle. Learn to worship God, and he'll break the battle on your behalf. This is kind of a short message today. It's not very long. The worship team can come on back up. Church, we got to learn to put our faith and our trust totally in the Lord. Everything else is sinking sand. God wants you to learn to trust him in all things. He wants you to learn to praise him so he could be known to you and be known to the world around you. And he'll break the battle in your behalf. No matter what you're going through today, God will break the battle. There was a a young lady named um, Mary Buffoon, and she was born to to two slaves. And she uh, loved to read. She, She learned how to read. She taught herself how to read. And um, she, she got through school, and um, she actually made it to college, and, and she made her way through college, you know, barely making it, barely having any money. And uh, she got a teaching degree, and she wanted to be a teacher, but no one would hire her. And she kept trying to get this job as a teacher, and no one would hire her, but she had faith in God. She was a godly lady. And so she would trust God, and she said, finally, well, if no one's going to hire me, I'm just going to go out and start my own school. So she went out and got cardboard boxes for the kids to sit on, and they didn't even have writing utensils. She went out and crushed berries and grabbed feathers for them to be able to write. But she kept trusting God, and eventually she got so well known that a college noticed her and started partnering with her. And it became the, uh, the Cope Buffoon College. And she got so much national recognition, in 1932 President Roosevelt made her the first African-American presidential advisor to the White House. Because she trusted God, even though all she had was berries and feathers. But see, in God's hands, guys, little is much if you'll trust him. If you'll step out and trust him. Everyone stand up, please. Let's go ahead and give the Lord a minute here. With every uh, head bowed, just like I take a minute and ask you a question. 
What is standing in your way today, church, that would keep you from stepping out in faith and trusting God for that one breakthrough in your life that could change the situation? Whatever you're going through, whatever you're facing, relationship problems, physical problems, financial problems, marital problems, what is the one thing in your life that's keeping you from stepping out of the boat and trusting God totally? Giving him all to him, that he can do a work in your life, that he can make himself known to you, that he can give you that victory that you need. If you're here today and you need the victory in your life, you need that strength to slay that giant, you need that faith and confidence to step out of that boat, if the winds have been whirling around your head, if the waves have been crashing down in your life and you just need God to rescue you, all you have to do is say, Lord, save me. And the Bible says he's right there. He saw the disciples when they were in their boat. He came walking to them. Church, it's funny. Sometimes it's the storms in our life that brings Jesus to us. Jesus came to the disciples on the storm. He saw them in their storm, and he walked to them in their storm. It's our storm sometimes. It brings us to Christ. It brings him to us. So I'm asking you today, if there's a need in your life, I'd like to pray with you. Because, see, I, tr I believe God. I believe God can do anything. He can heal the sick. He can heal marriages. He can touch financial problems. Whatever the situation is in your life, God can do it all if you will trust him with everything within your mind, body, soul, and spirit. And not only that, he'll forgive you of your sins. He'll save your soul. He'll forget them and remember them no more. You can have a clean slate today. If you're here and you don't know the Lord is your Lord and Savior, he wants to know you. He wants to make himself known to you. If you'll just trust him. So if you're here today, I'd like to pray with you. Get the other ministers here to pray with you that the Lord would meet the need in your life. I'll just give us a few seconds. The worship team goes ahead and plays something.